So, uh, good evening, good evening, Counter. This is the uh, talk uh, for the 7th of June, Counter service. And uh, we're sort of beginning uh, um, a set of a series of, of looking at uh, various things that are relevant and important uh, to us as we come through pandemic lockdown into a whatever the new normal is going to be. Uh, Laurie um, has had. Uh, some revelation, and he's got a set of titles and things that we need to look at together. Uh, he's quite keen that we do look at them together as a community as far as we can, as we come uh, from one place into another place, uh, into a sort of like a, a time, a, a new time of God's Spirit working with us. The title uh, that I've uh, been given to speak on tonight is one of the first in that sequence of uh, things. Uh, is this alignment, idols, stripping away and challenge. And I said on the slide, it's not perhaps the world's most pithy title. Um, uh, and indeed, um, I think when, I, when Laurie gave it to me, it had the word destruction rather than stripping away. So at least made a monomic, monomic thing, you know, acid, um, A-I-C-D. Well, it's not quite the right order, but you know what I mean. Um, but all of these four things are, I want to say a little bit about. It won't be a massively long talk. You're not to worry too much. You're not going to speak four sermons out of it. It's sort of danger when you get a title that's got four things in it. Um, so I went away. What you would, what you do given a title uh, like that? You go and pray. <laughs> oh Lord, <laughs> okay. And that's perhaps typically for me, uh, the place uh, Holy Spirit took me to was a, a, a chunk of scripture. Sort of three chapters again. Don't get worried. I'm not going to uh, do exegesis on three chapters of the Old Testament. Um, it's a well-known story. It's the story of Gideon and Judges six, seven, eight, nine. It goes through, and, uh, and it is a well-known story. Although I want, I, I was drawn to by I think my father, and I share it with you for what it's worth. It lands, let it land. If it doesn't, then maybe Chris was hearing the wrong stuff. But but let the scriptures certainly speak truth. And the bits that stood out to me were bits that were less obvious in the story um, that I knew. I mean, the big thing everyone knows about is the kneeling down and lapping or drinking and, you know, going and defeating Midian with 300 men. Um, but it, it doesn't really start there. It starts off, of course, with Israel in a pretty bad place. Um, Midian is oppressing them. They're coming every year in caravans of camels, hundreds and thousands of them, stealing all their food or their harvest. And Israel, particularly that central belt of Israel, uh, is, is really being oppressed. And of course, they're also, as typical times, they had deserted worship of uh, the true God of Yahweh and were worshipping the Baals and the Ashereths and doing all manner of uh, stuff they shouldn't be doing. And, and almost out of sight in the beginning of chapter six, having set the scene, uh, the author of Judges tells us that God sent a prophet to warn people about this. Prophetic warning, that uh, seems to me, always comes first when God's doing these things. And that's partly why it's so encouraging to have so, so much coherent prophetic voice about what's happening now and the revival that is coming. That thing about look on the horizon, stand on the rock, call out the enemy's work, all that stuff that we did uh, some weeks ago, I think two times ago, encounter. Look back on it. Anyway. That happens first and doesn't say what happened about that. Presumably nothing. Because the next thing is the angel of the Lord uh, comes to Gideon. 
and he's given this big task, uh, verse 14, chapter 6, 6, 14, uh, to go and defeat Midian. And Gideon's response uh, is very much a classic case of insignificance. You know, well, me, I can't do that. I'm the least of my father's house and my father's house, the weakest clan. You know, classic insignificance, not, you know, not me. But the angel of the Lord speaks to Gideon and Gideon gets a sign uh, and, and he is appointed to this massive task. But for this evening's talk, the thing I want to point out is the first thing he's asked to do not in that big discussion, but afterwards, the word of the Lord comes in. He is to pull down the full salt of the Baal and the Ashereth pole at his own local uh, town where he lives. It's a small task, but it's a task that is going to bring him into alignment with Father, with who Father is, with Father's will. Because for Israel and for us, getting a relationship with God right, getting our response to God right, is absolutely essential before we start doing anything else. It's not like a useful extra. Here's the text, I hope. Oops. That same night, the Lord said to him, take down the second book. So it's a separate conversation, but immediately I've been commissioned. The first thing is come into alignment. Take down the second ball from your father's herd, seven years old, tear it down father's altar to bar, cut down the pole beside it, build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on top of this. Using the word of the Ashrath pole, you can cut down or this, offer the second bull as a, sorry, the second bull as a burnt offering, can't say that. So Gideon took 10 of his servants and did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. Uh, really human touch there about the fact that he did it, but he did it when no one was looking. Um, it's sort of clear by that from that, by the way, he had his 10 servants. He wasn't that poor. <laughs> Any family that's got 10 servants, in my opinion, is not that poor. But there we go. Um, maybe his insignificance was badly placed. However, the first thing he has to do is quite a simple thing. And it's to put himself and his family in the, back in the right relationship with father. Before they go off and do any fighting or battle, then they sort that out first. Our relationship with God is, is critical and central, as we know. And it reminded me, this is actually, this verse actually, uh, from, it's a verse that's really stung with me. You know, some verses like come back to you and they lodge in your head. Um, from it's Luke 6, Luke 6, 46, if you know it or not, uh, Jesus says to his disciples, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Uh, I, I guess partly the reason why that sticks with me is because it's like, you know, as a teacher, why do you call me sir, sir, and not do what I tell you? <laughs> <laughs> so it's almost as a frustration in Jesus' voice. Come on, guys. Why do we Lord? If I'm Lord, then you do what you tell me. And I think I want to just re- emphasize that that being obedient to what God says and what we know Father has told us to do is not different to loving Him. Take this from the John Iron stuff from, from the literature in John's Gospel. Um, if you love me, you'll keep my commands, John 14 5. If you love me, that's the core thing, of course. You will keep my commands. John 14, 23, a bit later on. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teachings. Or the other way around, John 15. If you keep my commands, you're remaining my love, just as I've kept my father's commands and remain in his love. Being obedient to what God's told you is, is, is indis- inseparable from loving father. And being, lo- and being loved by him. 
uh, 1 John, you get this, we know that we have come to him if we keep his commands. You see, he's saying actually that's how we recognize that we are his, that we've come into a place of alignment with God. You say it, God, I will do it. And, and I just want to first emphasize that alignment word, us aligning ourselves with who God is. He is Lord. And therefore, when he says stuff, I, I feel this about the prophecies and the stuff we get as well. You know, you say, God, I just want to know how do I, how do I obey that? I want to be in a place where I'm obedient, where I'm being uh, obedient to you. Uh, to John as well. This is love that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you've heard in the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. You walk in love, which is obedience to his command. And obedience command is to walk in love. Our love of Father will put us in that place where we're obedient. So the first thing, the first word, a alignment, is to come into alignment uh, with Father God. And I think that's about being obedient to what he's told us to do. The second word about idols. Strange to Gideon's story is, I, I just read a bit of it, it starts and ends with an interaction with false worship, with false gods, with idols, really. The beginning, he has to pull down that false altar which had taken his family and him into a sort of worship of the Baals and all manner of I don't know quite what was going on there but certainly not clear worship of the true and living God and at the end uh, in, in almost quite a sort of I don't know scary way um, it, it almost comes back so so here the story goes on and there's all the battle and stuff and they defeat Midian and at the end of that the people come to make Gideon king this is Judges chapter 8, verse 20-odd onwards. And they say, God, Gideon, be king for us. And Gideon appears to refuse that. The scholars wonder whether sometimes he was refusing on the basis they might force him, but they don't force him. He doesn't become king, but he clearly becomes the leader of them. And he asks them, he says, okay, I won't become king, but why don't you give me all the um, gold we've captured from the camels and stuff of the, of the Midianites. And they say, yeah, great, we'd love to, because you just saved us and it's wonderful. And so they give him, it's about like, I think 20 kilograms or so, over a million quid's worth of gold and all the jewels and other stuff as well. So it becomes very rich. And uh, I don't think the Old Testament judges him for that, although I, I wonder a little bit about what was going on in his head for that, because the victory is God's. The glory should go to Father. And maybe, anyway, who knows? What I want to pick up on is the fact that in verse 27, I'll put this on screen, actually, uh, if I can. Uh, I'll, I'll, read it. I'll just read it. Gideon made the gold, it says, Judges 8, 27. Gideon made the gold into an ephod, which he placed in Ophrah, his family town. All Israel prostituted themselves by worshipping it there, and it became a snare to Gideon and his family. All Israel prostituted themselves by worshipping it there. Uh, ephod was originally a clothing that the old test, uh, um, priest had, uh, high priest had, in which he kept the Urim and the Thurim. No one knows what those were, really, but hey. But I think later on it was the, the Old Testament talks about rather wearing it, bearing it, or carrying it. So clearly it became by this time a, a more sort of big feature, uh, and it became an idol. Uh, to Gideon and his family, it became a snare to Gideon and his family. And his family afterwards doesn't go so well, uh, not time to go in chapter nine, but it goes pretty badly afterwards. And, and he has, you know, all the trappings of a king, lots of wives and lots of kids and concubines and stuff, and it all goes wrong. And I think for us, you know, 
Idols are things that take the place of God in whatever way that is. Things which give worship or time or value to above Father. Some of them may not be wrong things in themselves. Ephods clearly weren't wrong things in themselves. The, the, the altar, bowel altars were. But sometimes they're things that are not in themselves wrong, but we put them and deal with them wrongly. Recognise these things, church. Get rid of them. Don't give them space. Don't let them grow and become a snare. Challenge you uh, this evening just to look around at the stuff that we value. And there's some of it, some of the things that are important to us, more important to us than, than Father God and his kingdom and what we're called to do. When I was doing a little bit of research on this, I didn't know what it meant really, but I did look at uh, what uh, idol, where the word came from, and the dictionary I read said, often confused with the word idol, i.e. to do nothing, or idle, i.e. to be very relaxed. And I thought, yeah, you're right. <laughs> There's a danger, danger in lockdown that both those things can, can become idols. <laughs> the things that take our time, we're like, oh, great. Bit of time off, bit of relaxation. I know some of you work very hard, and I, uh, that's the weird thing about this lockdown thing that some people have got more time, and some people are like over their lives busy and trying to keep things going. Rest that we're called to do is active pursuing and pushing into God. Do that, church. Get your look for the obvious things and cut them down, and don't let other things sneak back in to become snares to us, to confuse us, to take us away from that core commitment to Father is. So that gives us a strip away. Uh, so it's alignment with God's will, obedience, idols, and more quickly stripping away. For Gideon, that, of course, was reducing the force that he had down to 300. Strip off all the people who don't want to fight first, and then God does a weird thing about how you drink water. Why that should matter? I don't know, but the result is you get down to a very small force of 300. Two things there. One it takes away the people who are scared. And I think there is an element of the pandemic and the lockdown and what's going on being a sort of thing with Father's revealing the hearts of people. Who are the people who are keen to push in? I don't think it causes people to be lukewarm, but if they are lukewarm, it will reveal that heart. It reveals the heart of those of us who really want to just pursue Jesus and see his kingdom come and see revival. Certain purifying and cleansing of the church uh, locally nationally wherever no, certainly i see it in a funny sort of way not necessarily in a happy way in a lot of youth group stuff i'm, I'm getting involved with but also the cutting down means that when gideon goes to battle he's got no human resources worth talking about i mean that's always the case it was always going to be god's victory but now it's absolutely clear that he has to do this in god's strength we contend not with flesh and blood, but with spiritual forces. Uh, important for us to realise as we come out of this, that our resources are infinite in the spiritual realm, even if they're pretty puny in the normal realm. I mean, it's been great. We've been having like, you know, 80, 90, 100 logons to Sunday morning church. Great. But it's still a small number of people. And we can feel powerless. But in some ways, it's the place to be. Strip away the things that we can rely on humanly so that we're in a place where we cry out to Father 
that thing that Laurie gave us this morning, or you weren't there actually, but something Laurie shared with us this morning about Isaiah, when Isaiah, rend the heavens and come down. Oh, come down, God. You've got to do this because we can't. We'll be obedient, Jesus, to you. We'll be open to your will. We long for it. We'll pray for it. We'll, we'll put away all the things that might distract us. But in the end, we're stripped away. So we have to be in a place where it's God will do it or it won't happen. And then lastly, I suppose, um, we get the challenge word. And the challenge, it seems to me, is all those things for us. There's a lot more coming in the next few weeks. Um, I know that uh, you're going to have got a few talks on this thing. Mostly will come from Laurie. But as I leave, as I come to land, let's just put those back again. A challenge to align with Father's will. To be obedient to what he's told us. As he tells us to do things, just do it. To locate and remove idols, things that distract us. And just be aggressive with that. And don't let them sneak back. Strip away, to, to get away, to pull away from the stuff that uh, would make us feel we're strong in our own strength and, and our own resources. Reveal our hearts, to let Holy Spirit reveal our hearts. And where that reveals stuff that needs changing, back to the beginning, align with God's will and change it. And where it reveals that we're depending on our own strength, just repent that and be ready. Be ready because the tsunami, as Laurie would say, is here. So keep your eyes on the horizon. Keep standing on the rock. Call out the enemy's work and be ready. When God moves in his sovereign way, we're going to go into worship. But as we do that, just take a moment. And let Holy Spirit speak to you. Don't push it, just be open. Hold your hands open. Maybe close your eyes. And let Holy Spirit to you, speak to you. It's the stuff that we need to hear, to do, to obey, to align with his will. Other idols we need to locate and deal with. Is there stuff we need to leave aside? As always. That encounter, we use worship as a as a as amazing vehicle it is to come close into Father's presence. So let His Spirit continue to speak to you. If you have words of prophecy or encouragement, you feel happy to share them because this is on Church Online. You can send them through the chat privately to to Laurie or to me or Vicky, and we'll weigh them and share them back. Let's come into Father's presence, knowing his love and his care for us, but also wanting to be ready to be the 300 that he calls to win bits of this world back for his kingdom. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Amen.